All right, good afternoon, everyone. All right, um, I'm really privileged at the same time. You have to make yourself excited, amen, every time you have this kind of opportunity. And I know this is the time where you know, the devil is really working, both of our eyelids, um, maybe hanging there. They say the, the good angel is on the right, the bad angel is on the left. I'm trying to wake us up, but hopefully uh, some of the ladies before we started this um, service this afternoon asked me if I could share some, you know, humorous stories, jokes, uh, because they feel so sleepy after uh, the Sunday school. Uh, but the thing is, I did not prepare any jokes and all that to make you laugh and happy. So when I was thinking about the story or the topic that I'm going to share with you this afternoon, it's about the story of Joseph, the dreamer. And I was thinking, is there, I asked them, is there like a kid's song about Joseph's story that you know? Because I don't remember when I was teaching the kids back in the Philippines if there is like a kid's song about Joseph. Because I could like lead everyone right now for us to, you know, shake our bodies and keep ourselves awake. Because you know what, yesterday when we went to the nursing home, uh, like all of a sudden I was thinking to um, lead them with an action song yesterday. So we did um, Jesus is a Happy Name. And we went one by one among the residents. After Jesus, we started from one of the residents, say their name, and then sing that name with that song. So Jesus is a happy name. Jesus is always the same. And I think the first one, I, what's their name? I forgot. Gloria. And then Gloria is a happy name. So we went all around the residents and sang this song. But I don't think we can do that right now <laughs> because there's a lot of you and it's going to consume the whole service. But try to keep yourselves awake, all right? This is the preaching of God's Word. I don't know how to um, encourage everyone, but just the fact that this is the Word of God, amen? But of course, we cannot deny the fact that, yes, uh, this is the time where we really f feel so sleepy, but don't sleep on me, amen? All right, and I hope that you are excited also to listen to God's Word. But I'm just really so privileged um, to uh, share this uh, so why don't we dive in right into the message, okay? Uh, I'd like to invite everyone to please stand and open our Bibles in the book of Genesis chapter 37. Genesis chapter 37, verses 31 to 35. Maybe we can read all together those verses, okay? Uh, let me know if you're there. Amen. Amen. Genesis 37, 31 to 35. Let's read it all together. Ready now, begin. And they took Joseph's coat and killed a kid of the goats and dipped the coat in the blood. And they sent the coat of many colors and brought it to their father and said, This have we found, know now whether it be thy son's coat or no. If he knew it and said, It is my son's coat, an evil beast hath devoured him. Joseph is without doubt rent in pieces. And Jacob rent his clothes and put sackcloth upon his loins and mourned for his son many days. 
and all his sons and all his daughters rose up to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted, and he said, For I will go down into the grave unto my son mourning. Thus his father wept for him. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our gracious God and Heavenly Father, thank you so much once again for this um, opportunity and privilege and for this time that we can be gathered here to study thy word. Lord, I know um, this is our last service and we've been hearing a lot from your word, but thank you because truly that your word is inexhaustible. Lord, even when we spend eternity in heaven, we'll, uh, we'll learn more about you. And with the finite mind that we have right now, I believe, Lord God, we, we have no reason that we can say that we have learned all of the things about you. But, Lord, it's going to be a continuous process, even in eternity. So I pray that you please humble our hearts and our minds, forgive us from all our, all our sins and our shortcomings. And I pray that you speak to us in a very, not just special way, but also a moving way, Lord God, this afternoon. And may you be glorified in Christ's name. Amen. And amen. You may now be seated. And looking at uh, our congregation this afternoon, we do have a really good attendance. Amen? And we praise uh, God for everyone for sticking around and for being in our afternoon service. You know, maybe uh, you remembered one of the missionaries or one of the preachers who came here. They said something about the church attendance, right? Um, if Sunday there's a lot of people, then who is the popular one? The pastor. Okay, so if there's a lot of attendance or people in the afternoon, because usually it's Sunday morning that is packed, okay, they say that if it's Sunday morning, a lot of people, the pastor probably is popular. If in the afternoon, it's still a lot of people, then who is popular? <laughs> the <laughs> still the pastor? Are you sure? I think it's the choir. Because the choir is good in that church, that's why Sunday afternoon is still packed. Yeah. Would you agree, choir members? <laughs> All right, but if the church is still filled and full packed on a Wednesday, who's the popular one? <laughs> because they're the ones preaching. No, they say that it is Jesus himself who is popular. Well, it's not Wednesday, right? But um, we should make Jesus popular in every service that we have in this church. And just uh, praising God, uh, really, since we have this um, virtual ministry, you know, um, we've been... Because sometimes it's really hard during the weekdays to come here. But still, the encouragement is there if you are able to be here during our prayer meeting. It would be a great encouragement for all of us. But... It's just uh, really glad and joyful to see that a lot of people are, you know, worshiping with us and praying with us on a prayer meeting because we see a lot of, you know, viewers uh, on our live stream. So it's just a joy to, you know, even though uh, we're not here physically, but, you know, we know that you are with us virtually and in spirit. All right, so... That's the, that's the thing. We have to make Jesus popular in every service that we have. And I'm just really grateful for the good attendance that we have this afternoon. And I know that we are all here because we want to get more close to our Savior. Amen. Uh, maybe there are some here who are discouraged. And I hope that the message will encourage us. Um, I was really blessed by uh, this lesson that I'm going to be sharing with you. All right, so as a sort of introduction, it is, our story is about Joseph. It is not Joseph, the husband of 
uh, Mary, but this is the Joseph the Dreamer. And uh, if you notice the, the font, the text on my title, Joseph's Coat of Many Colors into a Bloody Coat. We are actually going to concentrate on this bloody coat that Joseph had. And also we'll be focused more on the life of Jacob uh, in this story. And I remember when I was in the Bible college, first year, first year, the message that I shared, because when we were in the Bible school, it is required for you to um, preach. You know, we have morning devotions, and guess what time is that? Five in the morning. We have to wake up at like four. It was a training. So we have to be there in that specific place for us to have a devotion. And they ask random people. You know, you have to be ready all the time. And the first message that I shared was about the life of Joseph. Because I really love his life. Because, you know, even Christ himself, I believe he was a type. Uh, I mean, he was a type of Christ, the work of Christ, because you know how they have the same characteristics, like he was sold, uh, Joseph was sold, and he was betrayed, and all of that. So um, Jesus is, uh, Joseph is a picture, somehow, of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And uh, anyone here who doesn't love the story of Joseph? Well, all of us, maybe, we love that story. But you know what? Regarding that coat, there's actually four kinds of coat that Joseph had. It is not just one. All right, so open our Bibles in Genesis 37, verse 2. Genesis 37, verse 2. The Bible says, These are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brethren, and the lad was with the sons of Bilhah and with the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives, and Joseph brought him unto his father their evil report. And uh, there was a part here where, you know, um, Jacob, we know the coat of many colors, he gave it to his son. So that was the first kind of coat, coat that Joseph had, the coat of the son. And it is a picture of Jesus also. Remember, it is always um, a picture in the, the New Testament, the first four books of the Old Testament. I always hear this from Pastor Sam elaborating how Christ is also being represented by all those four Gospels in the New Testament. Can we have a test? The book of Matthew, Christ is being represented as what? In the book of Matthew, Christ is being represented as the son of, son of God. Why? Because in the book of Matthew, is it? Pastor Sam, are we right? Oh, no. Matthew, no. King of the Jews. Yes, king of the Jews. Yeah. Yes, yeah, Son of God is the book of John. Okay, so why? Why in Matthew he is represented as the son of the Jews? Because if you notice the book of Matthew, the genealogy started not from all the way from Adam, but it started from Abraham. You know, the royal lineage. So king of the Jews. In Matthew, Mark, in Mark he is represented as the servant. Servant. That's why there's no genealogy in the book of Mark. Why? Because the background of a servant is not actually important. And there's a lot of words just like immediately, straightway, you know, in the book of Matthew. Because as a servant, you have to be quick and always uh, there for the job. 
All right, in the book of uh, Luke, he is represented as the perfect man. That's why the genealogy was written all the way back to Adam in the first chapter of the book of Luke. And also, the last book of the gospel, John, he's represented as the son of God. You know, that's why there's no indication of genealogy in that book, because we know that he is, he has no beginning. So same thing with the life of Joseph. The first one is the coat of the son, G picture Jesus in John. The coat of the servant in uh, chapter 32, verse 12. Uh, let's go there. Genesis chapter, I mean, 39, verse 12. Are you still with me? Amen. Genesis 39, verse 12. I hope that we are learning something. And she caught him by his garment, saying, Lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand and fled and got him out. So that garment was a picture of Jesus in the book of Mark as a servant. All right. And then the coat of the sinner in uh, chapter 41, verse 14. Same book. Genesis 41, verse 14, Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they brought him hastily out of the dungeon, and he shaved himself and changed his raiment. Now there's a raiment here, and came in unto Pharaoh. So that raiment picture of Jesus in Luke, when he was pictured as a perfect man. And the code of, in chapter 41, verse 42, let's go there, 41, verse 42, and Pharaoh took off his ring from his hand and put it upon Jave, uh, Joseph's hand and arrayed him in vestures of fine linen and put a gold chain about his neck. So that vesture is a picture of Jesus in Matthew because he is the king of the Jews. Isn't that amazing? But we see here the first coat, you know, the many-color coat, and it became a bloody coat. You know, this bloody coat, though, is a picture of something that we want to look uh, this afternoon. Let me just share with you four uh, major things. Amen? Amen? The representations of the coat, the ruin of the coat, the reception of the coat, and the reality of the coat. So the first one, the representations of the coat. So the Bible is very clear that Jacob, the father of Joseph, was the one who made the coat. All right, it was not, you know, he did not go to any like tailoring shop or something, uh, get it customized, but it was Jacob himself who made the coat of many colors. Imagine for a dad to physically make a coat for one of his children. That must have been a really big deal, right? Because usually it's the ladies who, you know, do those stuff. But it was Jacob himself, a father, a dad, who made it specially for his son, Joseph. And that really made Joseph a special one, right? So much so that the Bible says he loved Joseph more than all the other children. You know, the endowment, the gift of the coat was far more symbolic than any of us can imagine. By taking the time and effort to personally fabricate that coat, he was making a gesture of great importance. In Genesis chapter 37, verse 4, when his brethren saw that their father loved him more, you know, this gift was actually a statement. It was a statement. This gift to Joseph meant something to Jacob. It represented something major, 
major to Jacob. When Jacob saw Joseph wearing that coat of many colors, no doubt it brought many things into his mind. Let me just say some few first. It represented the fruit of the womb. Um, in verse thir- uh, chapter 30, verse 1, 2, 22, and 24, we're, gonna re- we're not going to read all those verses. But here we see here that, you know, Rachel was the recipient of a miraculous birth. You know, um, he was not, she was not supposed to, um, you know, give birth to someone, but it was a reminder. The Lord opened the fruit of her womb, and Joseph became in, in existence. Uh, Secondly, it represented faith. It represented faith. In chapter 30, verse 24, the Lord shall add to me another son. And actually, the, um, the name Joseph or Jehovah, it means Jehovah has added. Okay, so every time Jacob saw that many color code it reminded him of the faith that he had with god because truly that you know that was the fruition of the faith that god has given him you know it represented not just the fruit of the womb not just the faith also freedom freedom let's read chapter 30 verse 25 the book of genesis chapter 30 verse 25 The Bible says, And it came to pass when Rachel had borne Joseph, and Jacob said unto Laban, Send me away that I may go unto mine own place and to my country. So he had worked for Laban for how many years? For 20 years. So seeing that Jacob is really, you know, there, he gave him that really nice coat. It represented freedom from all of those, you know, service and bondage. Uh, It represented also fears. Jacob feared losing Rachel and Joseph, so he tried to protect them. It represented fulfillment. He had a son that loved him, and he could trust him. Now he had an ally. Uh, I think I heard pastors (laughs) this morning that um, he also has uh, his own favorite. Uh, Now he has an ally also, same, uh, same gender. Okay, so we know who that is. Uh, I hope that um, Ezra won't be in a big trouble when the time comes. (laughs) All right, so not just that, fruit of the womb, faith, freedom, fears, fulfillment, and also it represented the future. Even though Jacob rebuked him for dreaming, he actually observed it, you know, when uh, Joseph had those dreams. So there is no doubt about it. This coat represented something special, something priceless, between the father and the son. You know, this coat was a gift of love, a gift of personal bond that Jacob shared with Joseph and nobody else. I, do, I don't know, uh, those who have, you know, kids here, I don't know if there is like this something, sometimes they call it an, an heirloom, right, that they have given to that, um, their child, their son, their daughter, that really means so much to them. You know, that is this coat you know, for Joseph and Jacob. So that is the representations of the coat. Moving on. Amen? Amen. The ruin. The ruin of the coat. We can see here in Genesis chapter 37, verse 23, and it came to pass when Joseph was come unto his brethren that they stripped Joseph out of his coat, his coat of many colors that was on him. So we know the story. The coat was stripped. 
You know, uh, one day they were tending the, their animals, their sheep, and uh, Joseph was about to go to them to give them some food, you know, while they are working, but not knowing that, you know, his brothers actually have evil plan against him. So what happened here is they stripped his garment, his coat. You know, the word strip here is to invade, to strip off, to make a dash, spread out. In other words, they without warning, in an immediate quick action, invaded his life, his space, his world, and robbed him of his coat. You know, that coat was Joseph's. It was his. But they had it. They took it from him. What was rightfully his was now in the possession and control of others. You know, it was literally out of his hands, the code that had covered him, the code that warmed him, the code that even identified him was gone. The token and daily reminder of his father's devotion and love was stripped away from him. So first, the coat was stripped. Second, the coat was dipped. Bless you. Verse 37, uh, chapter 37, verse 31. And they took Joseph's coat and killed a kid of the goats and dipped the coat in the blood. They took his coat and then proceeded to defile it in an unimaginable way. They didn't just sprinkle blood on it. They didn't take a branch or handful of grass to smear a little blood on the coat. What did they do? They killed the, a goat, then proceeded to dip this beautiful, ornate, handmade, hand-stitched family heirloom in the bloody pool of blood that was forming on the ground around this dead coat. This coat, a representation of so many and amazing things, was now sticky, bloody, dirty, stinking, and nasty. It was disgusting. It was filthy. It was unusable. The coat was stripped. The coat was dipped. The coat was shipped. Genesis 32, verse uh, 37, verse 32 and they sent the coat of many, they sent, it's, it's a free shipping, okay? They sent the coat of many colors, and they brought it to their father and said, This have we found. Know now whether it be thy son's coat or no. You know, this is the picture of the moment that the bloody, defiled, ruined, no doubt, tattered and torn coat was handed to Joseph. Now, if you're a father here, what? Uh, to Jacob. If you're a father here, what would be your response? What would be your reaction when you saw that material, that coat, that heirloom, that thing that you have really made it special and worked on, tainted, filled with blood? I don't think we can imagine or even begin to imagine the pain and anguish that moment in his life would produce. To make it worse, their attitude was one of a devious deceit. It is a deception. Unknowingly, he doesn't know. Imagine, your own kids would do that to your son. It is unimaginable. They knew full well that that was Joseph's coat, and they knew how much it meant to Jacob. 
but they didn't care. This valuable, beautiful, wonderful coat was being treated like a piece of garbage by the envious. So we see here the ruin of the coat. What was the first one? The representation of the coat, the ruin. Now thirdly, amen? Thirdly is the reception of the coat, the reception. So it was ruined now. Let's see how, um, how Jacob was able to receive it. But under that, the reception of the coat, we see here Jacob's recognition in verse 33. And he knew it and said, it is my son's coat. Of course, he would recognize it. You know, he, he knew every detail of that coat. You know, the realization of what was going on is slowly to begin and to seep into his consciousness and to his heart. The facts before him were completely real. You know, the bloody coat wasn't just a dream. You know, the bloody coat wasn't just a nightmare. It was real. You know, when something bad happened to us, sometimes we, we wish that it's not real, right? Sometimes... Lord, I hope that it, this is really not going on. I, ho- I hope that sometime, you know, someday I'm going to wake up from this nightmare or dream. But, you know, this moment in the life of Jacob, you know, it was very real. It wasn't his imagination. It was tangible. He can actually touch the bloody coat. He held it. He could see it. He can smell it. He can feel it. Jacob's reaction. What is What was Jacob's reaction? And evil beasts have devoured him. Joseph is without doubt rent in pieces. He imagined the worst. You know, sometimes our minds is very, you know, um, what is the English of malikot? That's how our mind is. You know, yesterday we were just talking after the nursing home. um, The ladies were like assuming this and assuming that. And our imagination is just really wide. Right? And right here, you know, Jacob was also imagining the worst here. He was dogmatic that without a doubt, Joseph is rent in pieces. Jacob did what most of us do when we are handed the ripped, torn, shredded, defiled, bloody coat of Joseph. You know, sometimes we are in, when we are in that kind of situations, we allow our circumstances to blow, uh, to blur to blur our vision. You know, we see more of the situation that we are in. You know, sometimes we allow even our feelings to override our faith. We allow our thoughts to cancel out the truth. We allow what we are holding in our hands to drown out what God has put in our hearts. You know, that's what happened to Joseph, to Jacob. I always um, interchange that. So um, Jacob's reaction, now Jacob's refusal. What did he refuse? He refused to be comforted. Verse 34 and 35. See how really um, great that sorrow he is experiencing here. Even though there were people around him that tried to comfort him, but he refused. He refused to let them. His daughters and family saw his pain and tried to do something, but he wallowed in his misery. He said, I will go down to the grave mourning. It was really, he was really 
you know, devastated. He was really broken. By the way, being comforted is a choice. Amen? Being comforted is always a choice. It's either you can accept it or reject it. So that's um, the number three. What's the number one again? The representation of the coat, the ruin, the reception. And lastly, wow, this is really fast. I'm not, I'm not really like Pastor Sam. I, I don't know. I can't do it. <laughs> uh, I just remembered. <laughs> I just remembered when the ladies uh, asked me if I have, like, to keep you awake to tell some jokes. You know, there are preachers who can actually make you laugh. There are preachers who can actually make you cry. And there is this one preacher I remember when I went to the Philippines, one of the youth camps. It was a long time ago. He can do both. You know, he can touch your heart, your feelings, but at the same time, you are laughing. Because I remember um, he was sharing his testimony. Um, I'm not going to disclose the name, but um, he was sharing that, you know, his wife has cancer and it was very severe. And during during the night she would cry because of the pain she is experiencing i don't know what stage but i think it's a like a breast cancer and uh, he was telling the story about you know their situation very detailed you know and you would really feel like really touched and you know um you will feel sorry you know for him uh with the situation that he um he is in but at the same time even though he was saying that for some reason, we were laughing because he would say, uh, he was describing that, you know, um, his wife was screaming at night because of the pain, and he even described that there's already maggots coming out. It was really um, not taken care of because they don't have means to go to the hospital. So he was describing that, you know, maggots are already coming out of um, her wife's body, and we were really tearing, we were crying, but at the same time, all of a sudden he's, he said that he picked one of the, one of the maggots and then he ate it. <laughs> I don't know if that's true, but you know, we were crying, but at the same time we were laughing. You know, um, but I'm not that kind of preacher, all right? Um, I'm the kind of preacher who will just make you feel sleepy, amen? <laughs> All right, but going back, where are we? We're on the fourth, right? We're on the fourth. So we are on the last, and we see here the reality of the coat. The reality of the coat. It was indeed Jacob's coat. Secondly, it was indeed defiled and covered in blood. And thirdly, it was no doubt unusable and incapable of being salvaged. What was once a symbol of nobility was now nasty. What was once a picture of devotion and delight was now a picture of death and destruction. What brought warmth and comfort now brought pain and hurt and tears. But let me give you this big but. But, not a double T, okay? He couldn't see the rest of the story. Right at that moment, yes, 
Jacob was devastated. He saw the coat of many colors that was so special to him, a connection between him and his son, who is now filled with blood. But he couldn't see the rest of the story. The one that the coat represented was not lost. God knew right where Joseph was. The one that the coat represented was not defiled. Yes, he was looking at it as really defiled, but he was still pure and clean. The one that the coat represented was not unusable. God was using him and about to use the life of Joseph even more. It wasn't nearly as bad as he thought it was. Jacob thought that his fruit was dead. Jacob thought that his faith was in vain. Jacob thought that his fears were realized. Jacob thought that his fulfillment had evaporated. Jacob thought that his future was over. But it wasn't. It wasn't. The reality of the code was that the love he's shown to Joseph was not in vain. The reality of the code was that the miraculous birth to his beloved wife was not ended in tragedy. The reality of the code was that the sweet fellowship and love he had with Joseph was not in vain at all. The reality of the code that was that the training, the mentoring of Joseph would still pay off. The reality of the code was that the dreams he'd observed and waited for were still going to come true. The reality of the code was that no matter how bad it gets and how bad it seems, Joseph's bloody coat was not the end. God was still on the throne. That was actually the last of my slide. I just really want you to focus on that statement. God was still on his throne. God was still. You know, if we are going through something right now, and sometimes there are situations in our life that we do have a lot of questions to God. Lord, why am I still here in this situation? Lord, why my prayers are still not answered? I'm desiring things that I believe it is in line with your will, but how come I still have this? You know, sometimes we hear bad news in our lives, but let me remind everyone that God is still on his throne. God is still on his throne. And we know the story, what happened here. In Genesis chapter 45, jump from verse chapter 37 to... Uh, we're going to read a, a couple of verses, random verses from this chapter. When Joseph revealed himself to his brethren, he, when he already became successful and became the prime minister of Egypt. And there is a purpose why that happened. In verse 4, he says, I am Joseph, doth my father yet live? In verse 9, haste ye and go up to my father and say unto him, Thus saith thy son Joseph, God hath made me Lord over all Egypt, of all Egypt, come down unto me and tarry not. Let's jump to verse 13. And ye shall tell my father of all my glory in Egypt and of all that ye have seen, and ye shall haste and bring down my father hither. In verse um, 17, Pharaoh said, 
And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, Say unto thy brethren, This do ye, lade your beast, and go and get you unto the land of Canaan, and take your father, and take your households, and come unto me, and I will give you the good of the land of Egypt, and ye shall eat the fat of the land. And verse 25 to 28, And they went up out of Egypt, and came into the land of Canaan, unto Jacob their father, and told him, saying, Joseph is yet alive. Back to those many years when he first heard that bad news. I think this is the greatest news for Jacob. Your son, who you thought that is dead and in pieces, is yet alive. And he is. It doesn't end there. He is a governor of all the land of Egypt. And Jacob's heart fainted, for he believed them not. And they told him all the words of Joseph. Because imagine, you know, for so many years you thought that your hope was gone, your loved one was gone. But all of a sudden there's this good news. He fainted and believed them not. And they told him all the words of Joseph which he had said unto them. And when he saw the wagons which Joseph had sent to carry him, the spirit of Jacob, their father, revived. There was an evidence. There was a proof. And Israel said, it suddenly became, you know, Israel, it is enough. Joseph, my son, is yet alive. I will go and see him before I die. Okay, stay with me. Let's do the math. You know how long it was for him to wait? Or he was not waiting, but... You know, for him to, because he said that I'm going to put myself into grave. I'm going to be mourning. And I believe since that time, he was never the same. He was never the same. And maybe the brothers noticed that, you know, and through the years, maybe they realized that they did really something bad, <laughs> you know, and he felt, they felt guilt for sure. Because when at the end, when everything is reconciling, it's not, it was easy for J Jacob to just really accept the fact. Because maybe he saw the change in the life of the brothers because they realized of the wrong they have done. Let's do a math. Joseph was approximately how old? We have read that in verse 37, chapter 37. When he was slave into slavery, he was 17. He was 17. He was promoted to being a prime minister when he was 30. So that's how many years? 13. Then seven years of plenty followed sev by seven years of famine. So t um, 13 plus 7. So it was 20, 20 years. It was sometime during the famine when his brethren came the first time. It was much later than they came back the second time and he revealed himself. So for over, let's um, have an estimate of 20 years, Jacob had held on to Joseph's bloody coat. For 20 years. For over 20 years, Jacob believed a lie. For over 20 years, Jacob refused to be comforted. And he was just sad all those years. Imagine. He was mourning. He was so bad off that according to Genesis 45, 27, his spirit was dead within him. His spirit was dead. So in conclusion, amen? We are concluding this message. You, you know, you may be holding a bloody, damaged, destroyed, defiled coat, 
And that bloody coat may be your marriage. That bloody coat may be your family situation. That bloody coat may be your testimony even. And that bloody coat may be the hand of God upon your life also. And your heart may be in a thousand pieces. You may be finished mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically, financially. But let me tell you that the story is not over. Amen? Our story is not over. You know, I don't know the situation of all of us here. But most especially for us as Christians, we know that our life is in the hands of our God. The moment that we have trusted him, yes, everything here on earth will crumble. And the moment that we entered into God's family, it doesn't mean that all the blessings we will get, right? But still, and sometimes even when we started to become a Christian, that's when everything is just really messy, right? A lot of problems, a lot of troubles, even though we are Christians and we have a God. But let us remember that God is always on his throne and he knows what is going on in our life. We should not give up. We should not give up. The thing that happened with Jacob is he refused to be comforted. And this here was written for us to learn. Amen. It is a lesson for us that when we go through things in life, let us not blame ourselves, let us not blame God, but more so we need to put our trust and faith in him because he is, is still working. Amen? This isn't the end. God is, is still working. Are you still awake? Yes. I'm going to grab a mic. Uh, Jason. Hello, Mike Tess. All right, so what time is it? Four or five. I have an illustration, and I'm going to go around just um, to make sure that you are all listening. <laughs> this is not a very special illustration, um, but it's the story of a one missionary. Well, this morning, Sister Naomi already mentioned about the situation of Pastor Eric. And that's actually my illustration. I just thought of it. We know how important it is to have a car here in the States, right? If you don't have a car, you can't go around. They say if you don't have a round, you cannot go around. But here, if you don't have a car, you cannot go farther. Okay? <laughs> All right, so it is very needed to have a car here. And for us, we cannot go anywhere before. Uh, when we don't have that. Most, especially for a life of a missionary, they really need a car. Okay, first off, um, disclaimer, I'm not saying this for you to be really moved <laughs> to provide a car for Pastor um, Eric, but this is just a, like a simple, in, a simple illustration, a simple example of really, even though whatever happens in our lives, that we should really give our trust to God. So it is important for a missionary to have a car. And yes, um, yesterday, um, I think he came from California. He had, a, he had a connecting flight coming here with the only purpose of being able to get near to where the car 
um, was because there is um, an American, I don't know if he's a pastor, but I don't think he's a pastor. He's just a member of a church that uh, promised to lend him a car. And I'm really blessed by this um, guy because he's not the first uh, missionary that he would, you know, lend the car. There's like, you know, the missionary that we read, Pastor Roberto, uh, I think they are all, they're also friends. And when he was here, he was also the one who lent him the car. Okay, so he's really a blessing to a lot of missionaries that he, he knows. But for some reason, this time, something happened. All right, so with the expectation and anticipation of Pastor Eric, when he comes here, that he would be able to get the car, but it did not happen. All right, actually, um, he asked me if I could uh, pick him up at the airport. Yesterday, he came uh, at Newark around like 4 o'clock, but yesterday was a busy day. We had nursing home. We had choir practice, so I said I won't be available to pick you up. It's a good thing we have some members in our church who have a big heart. So Sister Naomi uh, and Brother Lino uh, volunteered themselves. I think he said that, um, you know, he contacted them and praised God because Sister Naomi was available. And they picked him up, and they went there, and they had fellowship uh, with the guy, and they were so um, blessed. And uh, the couple left the place, and then all of a sudden, I got a text last night from uh, Pastor Eric, bad news. I was like, what could, what could, wrong, uh, what could go wrong? What could have gone wrong? All right, so I thought that the bad news is he won't be able to come here because originally I was expecting him to be here this Sunday. I thought I, I'm, not gonna, I'm gonna be spared from preaching <laughs> because um, if he's here, then he would take my spot. But he said, oh, the, um, the, the person want me to uh, stay for Sunday there. So he's gonna be here this coming Sunday though, hopefully, right? So I thought the bad news was he won't be able to come. But he said, the bad news is the car is not available anymore. See that? Um, with all the expectation, anticipation, not a single, I don't know what happened. Uh, I'm not blaming anyone here. But, you know, the situation is just really there. And you just have to do what you have to do when that happens. And, but last night, he was telling me that, you know, he was so tired from the travel and... Uh, he was, of course, he was very sad, but of course, you cannot put any blame on anyone. It just happened. Uh, so the reason why the car is not available anymore because the car was uh, taken by the, the son of the owner because uh, the, the son of the owner's son passed the driver's license exam, and he's going to use the car for school. So... Um, pa Pastor Eric was not updated, I don't know why, but, you know, I was just thinking about that timeline, you know, he came from the airport and then coming here with the expectation that he would be able to get the car. And I was imagining, you know, they had fellowship in the car, Sister Naomi, Brother Lino, and they even went to a place, you know, they're happy fellowshipping with others, you know, not knowing the situation, but the situation is already there. 
And we know that God knows. Only God knows the situation. So my question is, why did God did not make any move for that situation to be revealed before it was at the time that it was revealed to him? It could have been prevented. It could have been prevented. Right? Maybe, of course, God is powerful. He could have, like, touched a little bit of that guy. Oh, you have to initiate and ask him to, the, uh, I mean, tell him that the car is not available anymore. But nothing happened. They were still happy, expecting that they would be able to get a car. And actually, when they left, they left already. They did, you did, did not know, right, that the car is not available anymore. So I asked him, um, did uh, the Collings know that the car is not? No, they left already. I, I learned it late. I learned it late. So in that kind of situation, you know, why did God allow it to happen? He already know when, maybe when he was still in LA, he knows that the car is not available anymore. You know, when they arrived here, um, he could have just stayed here in our church. You did not, you know, bring him to Pennsylvania because you know that the car is not available. But how come God did not intervene in that kind of situation? Now, the reason I'm telling this is not to put God on the spot that mm, he's not really dependable or reliable. But you know what? There are times in our life that God would allow things to happen, whether you like it or not. You know, last night he was very tired, and I told him, you have to sleep because he can't sleep because of, you know, he's thinking too much about where to get the car, um, you know, I, I could have just, you know, went straight to Ohio. But I was just really trying to encourage him. You know, the only thing that I told him, tiwala lang. You know, just trust God. And, well, he's a pastor and he's older than me. I cannot, you know, give him, like, sermons and encouragement. But he knows. But when you are in that kind of situation, you know, sometimes, uh, even the song of Sister Naomi this morning, you know, all the Bible verses... But you, you actually don't know what to do. So there are situations in our life, yes, God knows what is going on in our life, but He still let them happen in our lives. Those situations and circumstances that it could have been comfortable and convenient for us if God did something, but yes, there are times that He would. Sometimes He would intervene and do something about it, but there are times that He would just let things happen. And he would just wait for us to respond. What would be our response when we are in that kind of situation? I think that's what I saw last night. Let us be reminded that God is still on his throne. Whatever bad news you get, whatever circumstances that we have in this life, folks, Christians, you know, this has really touched me and moved me in a lot of ways because there are moments in my, life's, uh, my life also that sometimes I felt like God is not doing anything in my life. But let us be reminded, folks, that God is, is still working. You know, the whole time you're sitting there holding that bloody coat, God is still fulfilling His plan. It is not the end. 
the story is not over. Yes, all we can see is what is in the present, but don't let the bloody coat in your life cause you to give up. May it not cause us to give up and refuse to be comforted. You know, during the men's fellowship, I think it ended with like a lot of things that the men would want, but sometimes it's not being done out of their hands, out of their situation. Burdens of life and problems and uh, struggles. But let us always remember to don't give up because God is still working. He is on his throne. He is on his throne. Let's pray. Our gracious God and Heavenly Father, thank you so much for speaking to us, Lord. I actually thought of a, a different way of you speaking to us because we always say a special way, mighty way, but I use the word moving. Speak to us in a very moving way because truly that we have to be moved by your spirit's power. Lord God, that when we encounter such situations in our life, Lord, that is actually the time where we can see your greatness. That is actually the time where we can see your goodness in our lives because if everything is just good and perfect, then we would appreciate your goodness actually in our lives. So Lord, I know, I know that in our midst right now, there are people who are struggling with things. There are people here who are praying for things. I don't know how long already. But Jacob was holding on to that bloody coat for 20 years. I don't know if that's how long we've been into this dire situation that we are in. But Lord, may you continue to give us your grace to continue. Lord God, to keep on going, to always have faith and trust in you. That you are still working on something. But just like how I mentioned today, Lord God, that even though we don't see that situation where our prayers are all answered and everything was okay. But thank you, Lord God, because we are saved. We have you in our life. And if we don't see all those good things happen in our lifetime, but definitely we will see it when we get to see you. Lord God, and I believe that when that time comes, Everything is just going to be perfect. Everything will just really make sense. Lord God, but while we are still here on earth, and I know that we have a purpose, help us to always look up to you. Yes, Lord, you are the author and the finisher of our faith. We have to look into Jesus who is the author and finisher. Don't let our circumstances blur our vision and 
perception about you. Yes, Lord, even though life is hard, but you are still good. You are still good. You are in control. You are sovereign. You are sovereign in our lives. Lord, continue to hear the prayers of your people and answer those prayers that need answer according to your will. And Lord, we also pray for uh, Pastor Eric right now that uh, may you continue to encourage him. And also thank you for um, his friend um, that really desired for him to be helped, but it just happened that there's another situation. But Lord, we are just grateful for even like this kind of situation. We thank you. We thank you. And that's actually what of the things that I told him last night. Still be thankful. Still be thankful. Lord, help us to be thankful. I know it's not easy. But you said that we have to give thanks in everything. So Lord, um, thank you so much for speaking to us. Thank you, Lord, for all these people, for um, their eagerness and their heart to listen to thy word. And only you who can really satisfy us. And we, I just give all the glory and praises to you um, because you deserve all our praises, all our thanks. In Jesus' name, amen.